Hello, today we'll continue our study in the book of Daniel, beginning in chapter 2, verse 24. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we just praise You for who You are. God, we realize that in the book of Daniel, as well as all Scripture, we see who is really in control that You not only created the universe, our world, but that You're still actively involved in it. That You seek to have a relationship with each and every person. And that relationship needs to be based on saving knowledge and receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. God, as we look into Your Word today, I pray that Your Holy Spirit will give us insight and understanding. That Your Holy Spirit will move us to action. That we can be faithful just as Daniel and his three friends were. And that we will look to You for answers in our life that just as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego look to You in, in prayer this time in, in their lives when they were faced this immediate threat, that in all things we'll turn to You in prayer. And God, it's pretty obvious in these times that we live in that man doesn't have the answer, but we know that You're in control. That You have a plan. God, we just ask You to work according to Your will in this coronavirus. God, we pray for wisdom for our leaders and those researchers, doctors, nurses that treat people, but also those who are researching a, a vaccine. God, we just ask that in Your perfect time, We'll, we'll find that vaccine. In the meantime, may our, our prayers for salvation be directed to You, knowing that You have a plan and a purpose for this, that You're in control of all these events so that we might not fear, but we know that we're in Your hands. God, there's just no more comforting knowledge or, or feeling than that. God bless our time as we look into these events that happened 2,600 years ago. And just show us how we can apply the things that we learn here in this passage to our lives today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and he said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring, bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles of Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. 
the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologer can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in, in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than any, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretations may be known, made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. It, the passage begins, this paragraph, this continuation of, of the events that started in, in verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, Daniel went in to Arioch. Remember when you see the word therefore, what, what do you need to do? You need to see what, what it's there for. It kind of pushes you back to, to review or to remember. If we're reading chapter 2, um, as is probably a benefit to read it from verse 1 through verse 49, then, then it's, it's obvious. But since we've been uh, away from it for a week, let's, let's just uh, look back quickly. What is it there for? Why did Daniel go into Arioch? This, this man named Arioch that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had appointed to destroy all the wise men of, of Babylon. Remember Daniel, his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, along with hundreds or thousands of other uh, Israelites, had been taken to Babylon in 605 B.C. after Nebuchadnezzar came and, and besieged the city and, and, and conquered the city, set up a vassal state. He, he has not destroyed the city yet. These young men, it would appear to be from nobility, possibly the royal family were put in a Babylonian university or finishing school where they were taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And, and they set themselves apart initially by asking that they not have to eat the king's food or drink the wine that he sat before them, but to eat fruits and vegetables and water. After the end of a 10-day testing period, they were found to be better than, than all the others. So they, they continued with that, uh, with their training, but also that diet. At the end of three years, they were brought in, and Nebuchadnezzar found them to be uh, the, the best. They, they understood the language, the, the wisdom of the Babylonians. It says 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters. So we met Daniel at just shortly after he had been taken captive. At the end of the three years, chapter 2 began in the second year. Well, how is that the end of the three years? Remember, the Babylonians counted the first year of a king's reign as the ascension year. So you have the ascension year, year one, year two, that's three years. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream 
He doesn't know what it means. It's very troubling. It says that his sleep left him. There's debate on whether or not he remembered the dream or if he knew that he, he if, or if he simply knew I had a bad dream. It was terrifying. I need to find out what it was and what it means. He, he called in all of the, the, the wise men, says the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, Chaldeans, kind of a special priestly class of, of, of seers and, and prophets that they believed, and, told, and, and, and then challenged them. He said, I've had this dream. All the wise men said, well, tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. Remember Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm, I'm not playing that game with you this time. You tell me the dream and its interpretation, and then I'll know that, that you're for real, that you really understand what's going on. Well, no one could do that. So he set up uh, one of his captains, Arioch, and said, okay, gather all the wise men together and execute them. Nebuchadnezzar had told them earlier, you're going to be torn limb from limb, dismembered, your houses are going to make, be made rubble. So Arioch is going about the process of gathering all of the wise men, which would include these newly graduated from, from the school, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. He goes to, to, to Daniel's quarters and, and, and says that, you know, come on, it's, it's time, we're going. And Daniel asked him, why is the king's decree so urgent? Arioch explained the situation to him, and Daniel immediately requested time to go into the king to, to ask for time that he might show the interpretation. Daniel wasn't in that initial group that, that was called in by Nebuchadnezzar but he's apparently well known enough that, that Nebuchadnezzar gives him time to not only come up with the interpretation, but also the dream itself. Daniel immediately goes to the house of his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. It says that there in verse 18, he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. So they prayed, they called a prayer meeting, a group prayer, and that while they were praying that night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a, in a, in a vision of the night. So what would you do? Immediately run to the king, right? And, and blurt out the answer. No, we have Daniel's psalm there in, in verse uh, 20 through 23 where Daniel says, Blessed be the name of the Lord forever and ever, to whom belong all wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give praise and thanks, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have made known to me what we ask you, asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So verse 24, therefore, that's what it's there for. All of those things, the whole situation that Daniel found himself in. After they they had their 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 prayer meeting 
pleading for, with God for His mercy, for His compassion on, on not only these four, but apparently for the other wise men too. And God revealed to Daniel the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Daniel goes back to Arioch. We're reminded again who Arioch is, the one who the king had appointed to destroy the wise men. He went into Arioch and he said, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon, but bring me in before the king, and I will show the interpretation. <clears throat> Notice how quickly first Daniel praises the Lord which shows his, his faith and belief that God had given him the true meaning, true the dream, but also the, the meaning of how to interpret it. But, but he immediately feels confident that God has shown him the dream and its interpretation to go into Arioch and say, don't destroy the wise men. Now, who's Arioch going to listen to? Nebuchadnezzar said, destroy the wise men rip them apart, cut them limb from limb, tear down their houses. So, if you're Arioch, are you going to listen to Daniel or are you going to listen to the king? I think Daniel was just exuding this, this confidence because of, of what God had, had told him. But we also see God working in the heart of this Babylonian that the message of salvation is not just for the Jews, but for, for, for all of mankind that God had told Abraham that he would make his descendants a, a light to all the nations. Here, Daniel is a light to Arioch. Arioch may have had friends among the, the, the wise men, the Chaldeans, the astrologers, but Daniel is, is confident as he begins uh, now the next step in going before the king. He tells Arioch, don't destroy the wise men. Take me to the king. So verse 25, we, we have them. We don't know how far away the quarters are from, you know, probably a little distance. Arioch takes uh, Daniel, says that he brought him in in haste. So they may have run the whole way from Daniel's quarters to the king's quarters. Arioch's brain, you know, he's it's running a thousand miles an hour as he's taken Daniel into the king and and thinking you know how how can I present this what do I need to say or maybe it didn't take him long to come up with this with this greeting to the king verse 25 there in the middle he says I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation is that why Arioch ran he wanted to get there before anybody else could get there with some imposture that might have had the interpretation of the dream. Or uh, maybe he came up with that a little slower. I think he knew right away, okay, I've got it. This is my ticket up the food chain. No more am I going to have to cut people's heads off. I can, I, can, I can do more glamorous things. He goes in, he tells Nebuchadnezzar, I found this guy among the exiles, not among the Babylonian wise men, 
It's not one of the, the sorcerers or magicians or enchanters or Chaldeans or astrologers, but it, this is one of the exiles. It's like, I really looked hard, King. I didn't just limit myself to, to the standard wise men of Babylon. I searched high and low, and I found one. He's a lowly exile from Judah, and he's going to make known to the king the the dream and its interpretation. You can just picture Nebuchadnezzar just you know sitting on the edge of his throne now. He 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 asked Daniel, "Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation?" Interpretation. You know Nebuchadnezzar hasn't backed down any, even even after a, a, an evening, a half a day, however long it was, but from the time that he decreed, kill all the wise men, to, to the time Ariok going to Daniel's quarters, saying, okay, come with me, it's, it's, it's time for your execution. Daniel's saying, no, I've got, to, I've got to see the king, I can do this, he gets more time. He and, and, and uh, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael pray, Daniel takes the time to, to praise the Lord for the, the answer to the, to the prayer that, that sometimes passed 12 hours, 14 hours. We don't, we don't really know. But Nebuchadnezzar has not backed down one bit. He asked Daniel, So you're able to make known to me the dream and its interpretation? Almost in parentheses. He wants to know the dream. Had he forgotten the dream? I really don't think so, but let, let's continue. Daniel answered, no. Now, probably shouldn't pause very long if you're Daniel giving this answer. Nebuchadnezzar said, had already proclaimed punishment, announced punishment on all the wise men. Arioch brings him in, says, I can make known, I found one among the exiles of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar says, are you able to make known to me the dream and its interpretation? And Daniel says, no, but there is no pause. Daniel, Daniel continues. It shows his, his confidence and his faith in, in, in God and what God has shown him. He says, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers, and added a class of, of Babylonian wise men, those who studied the heavens and, and looked for uh, answers and, and, and mysteries, answers to mysteries. Daniel says, none of these can show the king the answer or can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, the mystery being the dream itself. But then he continues, verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to the king to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the latter days. Dr. Walford says that Daniel's reply to Nebuchadnezzar is a masterpiece of setting the matter in proper light and giving God the glory. Daniel is preparing the way to introduce his God as the God of the heavens. Remember back in, in, in Daniel's praise that, that, he had, that he had said that God is the God of all heavens. 
not just one who studies the heavens, but he is the God of, of all heavens. And, and now Daniel is preparing not only to, to tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream, but also to introduce him to the one true God. So Daniel said, no wise man could do this, but there is a God in heaven that can reveal these mysteries. And he's made known to Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the latter days. He says, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. And in verse 29, he begins to, to tell Nebuchadnezzar. First off, he starts with before Nebuchadnezzar falls asleep. Verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. He's, he's telling Nebuchadnezzar more than he asked for. Nebuchadnezzar, after a big day of being king, you know, all the plans for the, for the great uh, city, the hanging gardens of Babylon, the, the, the great gate that's in the process of being, being made. He's a busy man. He, he finally lays down to go to sleep. And apparently he's, he's, he's having these thoughts. He said, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what's going to be after this. Nebuchadnezzar realizes he's, he's but a man, even though he wants to make himself out to be God and wants people to look at him as a God. But he, he knows he's not going to live forever. And he's laying there. What's going to happen after I'm gone? What's going to, to, to happen? What's going to be next for the, the kingdom of Babylon, this, this neo-Babylonian empire that Nebuchadnezzar's father had really started? Nabopolassar was the, the first king of the neo-Babylonian empire. Find the first Babel, Babylonian empire way back in, in Genesis around the time of the Tower of Babel, but it's, it's been thousands of years now. They have resurrected that, that kingdom there in Mesopotamia. And Nebuchadnezzar just is pondering before he drifts off to sleep, what's, what's going to be next? And he has this dream Daniel again tells him, "This mystery hasn't been revealed to, has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have. He's he's reminding him that God is the one who's given him the the dream as well as its interpretation, but it's, that it's also that the interpretation may be known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind, that Nebuchadnezzar might know." his thoughts about what is going to happen later. What's, what's going to happen um, af after I'm gone, after this, as he had, uh, Daniel told him in verse 29. So, why did Nebuchadnezzar have this dream? And for whose benefit was this dream? Certainly part of the benefit is, is to Nebuchadnezzar himself that he might know what's going to happen. I think we can extend it out and we'll, 
we may not totally answer that question uh, today, but why did God give Nebuchadnezzar this dream? It's almost like Nebuchadnezzar was laying there asking for what's going to happen. That God's kind of answering his, his thoughts, even though he's a pagan king, God's giving him something that he wanted to know. I think there's more to it than that, but that, but initially, the first answer to that, why did God give this dream to Nebuchadnezzar? It's to show him what's going to happen. So Daniel says that you might know the thoughts that are in your mind. Then he goes on and he tells Nebuchadnezzar what the dream, his dream. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. Now we know why Nebuchadnezzar was so troubled by his dream. Remember back in, in, in the first part of uh, first verse of chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. And he told his, his, his servants, you, you know, this dream is troubling. I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Now we're beginning to find out what that dream was, and you can see why it would trouble Nebuchadnezzar. He said, you saw this great image. Again, Dr. Walford says, by image, it's, it's not meant to imply an idol, but a statue corresponding to a human form. So Nebuchadnezzar doesn't see an idol, but he sees a, like a great statue, immense, large, super large, double size, and, it, and it's, its size is just overwhelming. It's a great image, it's mighty, it's bright, and it's before Nebuchadnezzar, and it says just the overall appearance of this image is very frightening. So picture, we'll, we'll read through the, you know, what this consisted of. Okay, let's do that, and then we'll say, picture this frightening image, or how this would be frightening. The head of the image, this is verse 32, is of fine gold. Its chest and arms are silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you look, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken pieces and became like the chaff, chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found, but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. So this is the, the image, the dream, or dreams. It may have been that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed the, the same, uh, of this same vision, this same image, several times. 
it's, it's the, the text, the meaning is a little ambiguous. Did he dream it one time or did he dream it multiple times? And you could find scholars on both, both sides of that argument. But even if he just dreamed it once, it's, it's, it's a troubling sight. It's this huge statue seemingly to be in human form. It's exceeding bright, exceedingly bright, and its appearance is frightening. Why is it frightening? Is it because the, the head is gold, and as you descend to the feet, the, the weight of the, the metal and the mixed metal become exceedingly less, and Nebuchadnezzar knows just from the, the things that he has supervised being built there, that he knows this thing's going to topple. I need to I need to get out of the way. Or is it just the size, the brightness? It looks mighty. It looks strong. He's a little bit on the superstitious side with all of the the idols and false gods that the Babylonians worshipped. All of his soothsayers, Chaldeans, and magicians, enchanters, sorcerers that. That he's he's probably a bit uh, superstitious anyhow, but he sees this great image, and it's got a, a head of gold, the the finest gold, pure gold. But then it, it's the the value of the metal, and also the overall weight and density of the metal de de diminishes as it goes down. The chest and arms are silver. Its middle and thighs are bronze. Its legs are iron. But then its feet, the base of the statue, are a mixture of iron and clay, which really don't mix. And as he's looking at it, maybe this is the part that really frightened him. A stone that was cut out by no human hand came and strikes the image on its feet and the whole thing just crumbles and falls, implodes on itself. It's, it's demolished and it becomes like the, the chaff of the summer threshing floors and is just blown away. And then that stone that had been uncut by human hands says it becomes a great mountain. Notice it wasn't out of a great mountain, it became a great mountain. This stone appeared uncut by human hands and it struck the, the image, the statue on his feet. The statue disintegrated and was just blown away like dust. And then that stone became a great mountain and said, filled the whole earth. Verse 36. This was the dream. So Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was. We're going to wait till next week to look at the interpretation of the dream. But you kind of get a little bit of an idea why this bothered Nebuchadnezzar so much. He'd been laying there in bed before he went to sleep wondering what's going to happen next. 
what's going to come after this? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he has this dream of this great statue. Its, it's brightness is overwhelming. It's mighty. Its appearance is frightening. And then that great statue is destroyed by this would seem to be a, a small rock, just a stone that was uncut by human hands. And that, that, that great, scary, frightening statue was disintegrated. And then that little stone grew into a great mountain. What does it all mean? We'll read ahead, see what Daniel says. We'll have to wait a week to, to delve into it. But what can we glean from just um, from these 11 verses, 24 through, through 30, verse 35? One thing that Dr. Constable at the end of his chapter 2 notes, quotes a, a scholar named Donald Campbell, and he, and he says there's three things to remember here, not just for um, chapter 2 alone, but also for the, the entire book of Daniel, and we can find this in all of Scripture. Number one is that God, not man, is sovereign in world affairs. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar that God gave him this dream, and God's going to tell him the interpretation do we attribute that much power and sovereignty to God that He would control our dreams, maybe move our thoughts or our actions, our compassions, our compassion for, for others? The second thing was that our sovereign God has a plan for the, for the world. Here He's sharing that, that plan with, with Nebuchadnezzar, but this is recorded in, in God's eternal word. It's, it's, it's God is sharing this dream that this pagan king had 2,600 years ago with, with us and with all those in between Nebuchadnezzar and, and us for the, the, the Israelites that are in captivity, those that will be coming to, to, to captivity. At the end of the chapter, we're going to see where Daniel is, is promoted because of his telling Nebuchadnezzar the dream and his interpretation that he's made chief prefect over the wise men. He's, he's made ruler over the providence of Babylon. Remember, this is in about 602 B.C. In, in, in 597, there's going to be another group of exiles come to Babylon. In 586, the... Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. The temple's going to be destroyed. Even more exiles are going to be coming. God was already preparing for those exiles a, a friend in the Babylonian uh, Empire, the leadership that Daniel has, has had been made ruler over the province of, of Babylon, chief prefect over the wise men, a couple of decades before they even left Jerusalem. And then the third thing that, that uh, Dr. Campbell says is that God is ordering history according to His plan.
the three things. God, not man, is sovereign in world affairs. Our sovereign God has a plan and God is ordering history according to His plan. With all the things going around us, take Corona out of it and all of the fights, the political fights in our nation, God is ordering history according to His plan. The Senate's not in control. The House is not in control. The executive branch is not in control. Back in verse 21, Daniel had said, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who, who have understanding. That it titled the whole book of Daniel, God is in control. And that we should find a, receive a, a peace in knowing that, a, a comfort in this is part of God's plan. And I need to yield myself to Him, knowing that He's in control. So the first thing, what does the passage teach us, teach us about God? It's that God is sovereign. What can we learn from Daniel? Look how, how calm he's been through this whole episode, through these, these, all of these events. Arioch came to get him, to, 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 to kill him, to execute him. Verse 14, then Daniel rep replied with prudence and discretion. He didn't yell and scream and try to run away. He, he replied with prudence and discretion. Probably a 17 or 18 year old young man. And just the poise of, of Daniel through this whole event. Look at how Daniel responded when he got the answer. He didn't run immediately to Nebuchadnezzar to receive the, the promise of rewards. Nebuchadnezzar had told all the wise men, tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Daniel immediately either stayed on his knees or hit his knees again and praised God, bless the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. Daniel didn't immediately run to seek those, those riches and that fame, but that he, he chose first to thank God for the answer that he had given him. Then Daniel goes to, to Arioch and he tells him, don't destroy the wise men. Daniel has faith that, what, that God has answered their prayer and this is the dream that Nebuchadnezzar ha had. Daniel has no reason, no ability to know it outside of the fact that God showed him the dream and Daniel believes what God has shown him in this vision, Daniel's, Daniel's faith, his, his, his poise, his demeanor through this whole thing that we can, we can also glean characteristics or traits from Daniel in, in, in our lives. We'll continue in verse 36. It doesn't start with therefore, but we might have to see what it's there for anyhow. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this example of Daniel, but also just the reminder and the message that You're in control. 
that you are sovereign, that you have a plan for all the world, and that you're working in history according to your plan. That unlike those false gods of the Babylonians that don't dwell among men, that you dwell among your people, that you've sent your Holy Spirit to live in our hearts for those who have received Christ as their Savior. God, may we yield to the movings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. May we be like Daniel and be willing to proclaim and testify that there is a real God in heaven. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.